0: All of us have crazy families. Some of us have a little crazy. Some of us have a lot crazy. But we know what we belong to. And you know we're okay with that because we belong there. Right? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you belong here. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to tell you what the Life Center is, what we're about, why we do what we do, what we believe our calling is, what we believe our purpose is, and why you look at your neighbor and point at them and say, you. are doing a lot of looking at your neighbor today. You have a very significant part to play in this community of believers. And it's important that we understand that. And so we're going to unpack. We're going to deep dive. We're going to talk about who we are, what we believe, and why we do what we do. So thank you for being here for this journey. And Pastor Scott already preached part of my message, so I can just skip that part and keep going. Amen. So we're going to start off with just a little basic foundation. That is the power of vision. It's very important that we understand what vision is and why we talk about vision. Why do we uh, give uh, an explanation of what it is we believe and what we do? So if you look in Proverbs chapter twenty-nine verse eighteen, I'm going to read it out of two different versions. Uh, The first one is the American Standard version. It says this: "Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he." Now. This word restraint oftentimes has a little bit of a negative connotation to it. But let me just explain what, how restraint works, right? The person cuts you off in traffic. You have your little moment there. Gah! Whatever it is, you have your moment, right? And you know there's a law that says you can't just run your car into somebody. You know there's a law that says you can't drag the other driver out and beat them to a pulp on the pavement, right? Right? There's a law that says that there doesn't have, you don't have to have a sheriff's deputy sitting in the passenger seat with you to prevent you from doing that. You have some restraint because it's a very clear vision of what happens if you don't exercise said restraint, right? So, restraint is something that keeps us doing what we know we're supposed to do when our emotions would love to do something very different, right? And so, what the scripture is saying here is when, we have a, when people have a clear vision or if they don't have a clear vision... The results are very different. Without a vision, restraint is thrown off. So people just do whatever they want to do because they really have no understanding or direction of what they should be doing, right? And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out if you don't have moral structure, a moral compass in your life. We read the news, right? You watch the news. All kinds of crazy things people do. And you're like, how do people do this stuff? That's what happens when there is no restraint. The message version of the Bible says this. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Right? That's very easy to understand. When we understand what God is doing and we follow what God is doing, we have blessing in our life. It's a very simple formula. Right? So the reason why we talk about vision is because it all begins with a why. And so I started looking in scripture and I wanted to understand. I mean... Jesus walked on the earth for three and a half years. He did ministry, teaching, preaching, performing miracles, all these things, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You can read them in your Bible, and you get to see what Jesus did. But you don't always understand why Jesus did what he did. But there's a story in the Bible where Jesus meets a guy named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And in those days, very similar to these days, no one likes them. (laughs) Right? Nobody likes the tax collector. In those days... Uh, their tax code must have been very complicated and left totally up to the interpretation of the tax collector so he could tax you whatever he felt was worthy. So these tax collectors were not upstanding citizens. They would skim off the top. They would give the taxes to the government, but they would take their cut. I mean, it was a very lucrative, but very very unjust business. And this guy, Zacchaeus, heard about Jesus and wanted to see Jesus. So there's a mass of people. This guy apparently had, he was height challenged, so he climbed up into a tree so that he could see what was going on. Jesus walks up to the tree, says, hey, bud, come on down. I'd like to go to your house. What? Why is this guy going to this guy's house? Doesn't he know he's a tax collector? Nobody wants to go to his house. So Jesus goes to Zacchaeus, Fast forward this story, they have lunch together, salvation comes to his house, and here's the why. This is why Jesus did what he did for three and a half years on this earth, training 12 men to replicate the same process and follow the same message. In Luke chapter 19, verse number 9, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, because you also are a son of Abraham. And verse 10 is where it's at. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek... And to save the lost. Why did Jesus do what he did? That's the why. Why did he endure what he endured? For that reason. Why did he put up with the punishment, the shame, the disgrace, the, the constant attacks for this reason? Because he was on a mission and his mission was to seek and to save every person that was lost. It's so much so demonstrated. Jesus was walking on the on, on his On the road to wherever he was headed with his group of disciples, a guy comes up to him and says, I would like to follow you. I'd like to be your disciple. You know what Jesus says? He doesn't say, sign, you know, Peter will take your name and number, we'll call you, uh, join the ranks. He doesn't say that. Jesus immediately goes into a statement that reveals something that disconnects most people. In Luke chapter 9, verse 58, Jesus replied to this guy, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Okay, I'll just have my people call your people later. See (laughs) you. Right? The why drove Jesus to live a life that most people would not live because he came for a purpose restraint, clear vision. He knew exactly what his purpose was. We get to see in the garden when he's praying, when his time for crucifixion is very close. He's struggling with this. He knows it's coming, but he doesn't really want to do it. Who wants to volunteer to lay down your life for a bunch of people that don't deserve it? Nobody does, right? But Jesus knew what was coming, and so this is his why. The reason he did it was because he came to find lost people. And so he endured, the Bible said, the shame of the cross because there was a joy on the other side of that, and that was people finding him, right? So it's very clear that vision is very, very important to every part of our life, especially our walk with Christ. We don't just know Christ so we don't have to pay for eternal judgment someday. No, we know Christ and we experience his salvation and redemption so that we can turn around and help someone else, right? That is what... Our purpose is. So, we're going to go through the next four weeks, four things we're going to cover. The first one is this know Jesus. We exist to help people know Jesus. If you have any question about why we have this church on this corner, that is the number one answer. We exist to help people know Jesus. That is our why. Amen. That is the purpose for what we do every week so that someone can find Jesus. In Romans chapter 3, verse 22, The righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. Listen to this. There is no difference between a Jew and a Gentile. Pause right here. In that day when that was penned, it was a revolutionary statement and it made a lot of people mad. Because Jews and Gentiles did not mix. And Paul, a very strict Jew... In the scriptures it said he was the strictest sect of Jews. He is writing this and he says there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. And here's the common denominator. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all approach the cross on the equal playing field of every one of us are sinners. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your bank account says. We're all the same When it comes to that. And verse 24. But here's the amazing thing. All the same. No difference. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Yes, we're all sinners. But guess what? We're all also able to be saved through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. So we exist to help people find Jesus. In John chapter 14 verse 6 Jesus answered he was talking to his disciples he said this I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me, This is the message of the gospel. Why do we exist so that people can know Jesus, so that people can find salvation? We want people to understand that there is hope for this mankind that has fallen and broken, and Jesus is that hope. That is why we're here. So if you ever ask one of the pastors, why is the church here? That's the answer. It's because we want people to get to know Jesus. I'll just give you a little peek behind the curtain. Every weekend, every Sunday, there's a lot of stuff that goes into the the process of having a Sunday morning experience that you guys participate in, the worship team, the folks upstairs, the folks in the foyer, all the the pieces that work together, and the reason why we spend energy and time on working on that weekend event, that hour and a half that you spend here, the reason why we invest the time and energy, does anyone know the why? Why? Man, I want to to start back at the beginning again. (laughs) This is going to be a long Sunday. (laughs) No Jesus, right? The reason why we put the energy into it is because we want somebody to find Christ. That's why we do it. We can't do it kind of half-heartedly. We can't just sort of give some energy to it. No, it's our purpose. It's our why. We want someone to know Jesus. Everything we do is about helping get someone to know Jesus. There's upstairs right now, all of your kids, all of you that have little kids that drive you crazy, for an hour and a half on Sunday, they're not your problem. (laughs) Because you pass them off to these lovely people upstairs that leave church on Sunday, think, I'm never going back there again. (laughs) You know, if you see the guys that are working upstairs pouring into your kids, that's a huge blessing, and it's a sacrifice, and they're giving of their time, not because they just absolutely love kids. Maybe they do. I think they do. I'm just kidding. Of course they do. They do it because there's a why. They want those kids to hear about Jesus. They want them to know Jesus. And they want you, the parents, to be able to sit in an environment where you don't have to be distracted for a few minutes and you too can know Jesus. There's a reason why they spend energy to make the place inviting because they want people to know Jesus. How many of you guys love whenever you walk in the door and there's snacks out there and the coffee's fresh and it always smells good and there's someone there with a big smile to give you a hug? It's not on an act by accident that that happens. It's very strategic. It's on purpose. Come fall, it'll smell like pumpkin spice out there. We planned that. It wasn't an accident. Someone went to the store and bought a plug-in that smells like pumpkin spice, and Starbucks gets the benefit, right? Because everybody's craving a Starbucks pumpkin spice latte after church, right? The reason why we do it is because someone that walks through the doors, that first impression may introduce them to Jesus. That's why we do it. So thank you for being a, being a part of this and volunteering to serve your time because somebody's going to find Christ and it'll be because of the small things that we do to make that happen. Somebody mows the grass. Somebody makes sure the place looks good because we want people to know Jesus. Our production team sits back there, and they struggle, and they have a hard time, and things are challenging sometimes, but they do the best that they possibly can to improve and increase so that it creates an environment so that people can find Jesus. You say, Pastor Andrew, that stuff's a bunch of busy stuff. Well, what if we didn't do it? You say, is this the only place someone can find Jesus? Absolutely not. He can, find, you can You can introduce someone to Jesus sitting at a coffee shop somewhere or out beside your car in a parking lot. But we have a calling. We have a mission. And this church is our responsibility. This community of believers is our responsibility. And every person here has a significant role to play. Do you know when you come and you worship, you're helping someone find Christ. When you come and you help and you participate, you're making an opportunity for someone to find Christ. That is why we're here. Does anybody know why we're here? (laughs) We're getting there. We're getting there. There's there's a difference between I'm hurrying. There's a difference between words and actions. We all know this, right? We can't be known by our doctrines because our doctrines are not what identify us. It's the love of God that we demonstrate towards other that reveals what God is doing in us. In John 13, 35, a new command I give you, Jesus talking here, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Pastor Scott talked about it. It's amazing to see what is happening when the church rallies behind people that are in need and hurting. We just, we're loving people and that's what makes the difference. That's how people know that what you say you are, you're living out what you say you are right are you with me two greatest commandments love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind strength body everything and then love your neighbor as yourself and that's a tough one that's difficult it's easy to love god because you know he does good things but it's difficult to love some of those neighbors amen first john chapter 4 verse 20 whoever claims to love god yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. That's a very strong, strong scripture. It's, it's, a little, it's one of those scriptures you want to kind of read real fast so it doesn't sink in too much. Right? Because there's always people that are hard to love. And the thing about Jesus is he doesn't ask us to love the easy people, does he? He asks us to love every people. Every person. All peoples we're supposed to love. And we, we typically, we're very careful here. Um, we live in a society that's very uh, very open. We're, we live in a free speech country, and sometimes there's just too much speech, right? It's just, there's lots of people talking, and there's lots of opinions, and there are lots of thoughts, and, and we don't typically talk about anything politically connected, ...from the pulpit because this is a place to talk about Jesus, not my personal opinions about politics, right? So we're very careful, very cautious. But I I also have been challenged as of late because our country is being ripped to shreds with things like... One particular thing that's really been just, just getting to me lately is this racial conflict in our country. How is it that we're still so racially charged and there's hatred towards people and there's bigotry towards people... And and I don't understand, I mean, I don't, maybe it's because I was raised in Africa, but I don't see colors, I just see people. And I know I'm not the only one, I mean, my kids don't understand it. They don't understand what drives this. And, and I'll say this, I, I feel like our nation is being sh- just ripped to shreds, and this is a fuel that is being poured on a fire by people that have bad agendas, People that have a a purpose for keeping the pot stirred. You know, there are platforms that are built because of racial hatred. And there's billions of dollars that's being cultivated because of it. And so people are using it for evil means. And the Bible warns us about those kind of people. And I want to make a statement that the church cannot be racially bigoted. We can't. I listen... I listened to a guy, his name is Steven Mansfield. He has a podcast. Uh, he's a he's a consultant. He works on Capitol Hill. He's a writer. Very conservative Christian man, but has a great perspective. And I was listening to his podcast about the events in Charlottesville. And and he was really, really hammering home the point that the church has got to stand up against the injustice of hatred. Because it's not godly. And he quoted um, a news article. Uh, review, interview from one of the leaders of, I guess, one of the white supremacist groups that was there. And they interviewed the guy, and he made a statement that he was fighting for his religious beliefs and his conservative standings. And this guy on the podcast began to say, I do not associate with that being called religious beliefs. Racial hatred is ungodly, it is sinful, and it has no place in the kingdom of God at all. Colossians 3, verse 10, Paul's writing here. He said, you've put on a new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, talking about God, where there is neither Greek, here it goes again, nor Jew. There's neither circumcised nor uncircumcised. Paul's right here. The reason why that matters is because that was the identifying mark of Jews. He said there's no difference there. He said there's no difference between a barbarian who is a non-Greek which lived outside of the Roman Empire. That's what a barbarian is. There's also no difference between a Scythian, which is someone from Asia or northeast Europe. There's neither a difference between bond or free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, the call of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. Bowels of mercies means from inside you, you have compassion. Inside your gut, you have compassion. Put those things on, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also forgive. Verse 14, and above all these things, put on charity. And here's the reason why. Because it's the bond of perfectness. It is the thing that glues it all together. How can you live in a world that's so racially charged and not have an opinion? Because Jesus doesn't have an opinion about skin color. He has an opinion about how people are loved. And we have a directive that we are to love as Christ loved because that is the thing that points people to Christ. So let me just tell you, it's not just about what happens in this building. It's about what you and I take when we walk through the halls of our place of employment Monday through Friday. It's what we take with us when we're associating with people on Saturday. That's where people have their first introduction to Jesus. So your why needs to be the same as our why. And that's so everything we do do can help someone get to know Jesus Christ. Don't fall prey to this. Stand against it because it is not godly. We've got to rise up against the fray. We've got to rise and push against the tide. I was watching a video, a Facebook Live video from Pastor Kilgore who pastors Life Church in Houston. They got devastated by this flood. And so his church opened up and they've been One of the churches that's been a place of refuge for people to stay and feeding, whatever. But he made a statement when he was talking about what's going on in his city. He said, it's interesting because there's no racial division in Houston, Texas now. Yeah. This is how you're going to know that they're my disciples. And I'm sorry... But someone that's professing to be a white supremacist standing on a courthouse steps screaming a message of hatred, he can say he wants to follow his religious beliefs all he wants to, but that is not the God that I serve. The God I served allowed Romans to break his body, nail him on a cross for every tongue, every race, every person. Jesus made the statement. He's with his disciples Man, i got to hurry. He's with his disciples. They're in the upper room. He's washing their feet. And the disciples are like, you can't wash my feet. You're the master. I'm serving you. And Jesus says, you can't be a master. You can't be a leader if you don't know how to be a servant. And then he said, I'm doing this as an example for you to follow. If the one that can save me from my sins chooses to love unconditionally, guess what my mandate is? Everything we do, everything we do is to help someone find Christ. Worship team, you guys can come. We live in a climate that's very charged, politics, opinions. And here's where the problem really begins. is when we can't have a conversation with someone whose opinion is different from ours. Without hating that person. Folks, we've got to be careful. There's a world that doesn't know Jesus. And you and I have been called to be light to a world that's dark. To be salt to a world that's flat and bland. And the way we do it is to live a life that attracts people to Jesus Christ make sense it can be a tough pill to swallow i know and i know that not everybody is going to come in these doors and not everybody is going to find christ at this church but everywhere you and i go we are meant to be a light to point someone to christ so everything we do is about helping someone find jesus christ stand with me please Amen. You know, every week, every week, we give opportunity for people to pray. Every week, we want to pray with you. Every week, we want to connect with you. Every week, we want to join with you in prayer because we know that God's working in your life. Every week, we give an invitation. If you do not know Jesus Christ, today's your day to find him. And today's no different. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to ask everybody to close your eyes. Bow your heads, please, real quick. Everybody close your eyes. If you don't know Jesus, I want you just to slip your hand up. If you want to change that in your life, just slip your hand up. All across this room, anybody. Thank you. Thank you. You can open your eyes. Today's a day of change, transformation in your life. If you don't know Christ, I'm telling you it'll change your life forever. And those of you that call the Life Center your home, I just want to say this. We can't do what we've been called to do without you. I don't want you to think that coming here and just attending is the end all for you. No. Because as long as we meet on Sundays, we're here for one purpose. And what is it? To help someone know Christ. Right? To help someone know Jesus. And you play a huge role in that. What difference does it make if the grass isn't mowed? A huge difference. What difference does it make if, the, if it smells bad in the foyer? A huge difference. Everything we do is to help connect someone to Jesus Christ. We meet people like Jesus did at their level. In Scripture, you seldom find Jesus preaching in the church. You mostly find Jesus out where people were. Sitting by the seashore where the fishermen were, that's where he was. Hanging out in the marketplace where people were busy about their day, that's where he was. Because that's where hope needs to go.